Hello and welcome to LOP Radio Aftershock, live immediately following AEW All Out, live from Daly's Place. It's currently 5am, just a quick little video quality thing, as you can tell by my voice. 5am, gone, I'm ready for bed. <laughs> I am bloody hell, am I ready for bed. Uh, secondly, the it has a video quality, the light that I normally use to do this show to light it up all properly you realize you realize that i'm kind of lit a slightly more weird kind of orangey kind of color and there's a bit of a weird spotlight thing uh, that's because the light i use is currently locked behind a plasterboard which has been drilled to the wall on like the other side because <laughs> currently it's being used for some extension building work and forgot to bring it back over didn't realize till like half 11 and there's i can't be drilling <laughs> half 11 to get the plasterboard back off so very unique circumstance don't have my light so i look weird so that's why it looks all strange and weird this is literally just like there's a bedside lamp done my best it, I, I don't like it <laughs> but it's either that or this just like darkness you don't want darkness darkness looks weird so back on it goes <laughs> so Let's get a case on point. Uh, by the way, I've not done that on canvas. That's, I, I should have planned that. Anyway, uh, AW All Out has just finished. That's pointless to podcast listeners. Uh, AW All Out has just finished, and it. My overall feeling is that I'm tired. Okay, that's the best way to sum it up. I started feeling tired at maybe about 4am, which I feel like is understandable. That's three hours into the show. At that point, I'm kind of. Uh, getting ready for it to wrap up. I was just checking that I definitely wasn't muted because I bloody did that last time. But yeah, I was that, like 4am was starting to feel like, yeah, I'm getting a bit like tired now. At that point it was Hangman and Page versus FTR, like the match I was most looking forward to out of the entire show. And honestly, I would say Ikaru Shida and Thunder Rosa stole the show. That was my match of the night. They they wrestled at such a... I'll get to it when I get to that, because I'm going to start with the main event, as you can tell by the image that is already up. But I... Uh, lovely image that's there next to me. But yeah, I... Like, for me, Hikaroshida and Thunder Rosa, they started at a really fast pace, and they kept at that same pace for the entire match, and the longer the match went on, the more impressed by that I was. Like, I generally really enjoyed that match. But Moxley MDF was the first one. And obviously, well, the big talking point, really, is going to be Matt Hardy. And I'm assuming the uh, press conference is happening right now, but with me being English, I can't watch that for 30 minutes, then do this. It's like, I wouldn't take any of it in. It's the best way to explain that. Uh, but we we will have coverage here on WrestlingHeadlines.net, so like, do not fear. By the time I'm off air, it will have it will already be all the articles covering it anyway on uh, Wrestling Headlines. So no fear, to stay on the website. It's, it's fine, it's fine. Just keep that up whilst you're listening to me. Or if you're English, whilst you're falling asleep, we count those. <laughs> it's fine, it's all right. YouTube doesn't know. But the main event, I'll, I'll go on with that, is... Because I'm not expecting a lot of the questions to Tony Khan to be about like the, the actual content of like these main event matches, because... Like, the big cloud was Matt Hardy and the handling of the Matt Hardy situation and the news that he is, like, he has gone to hospital to get scanned. And, like, that happening at the same time as the announcer saying it, say something, like, there was quite a lot of a clash there. And I can see why a lot of the questions might be about that. But with, uh, like, the actual content of the wrestling, that's kind of what I'm going to get into. Like, the review of the show and 100%... The Matt Hardy incident casts a cloud over the entire show. 
and the entire show felt a bit off, a bit messy. Um, in terms of there wasn't, there weren't any like in past all outs would be like a big moment or something like a crowning reason for like it be feeling like a big event. This didn't feel like a big event, and like the main event kind of encapsulated that for for me, where it was a good match. I just never believed John Moxley was losing, so it, and it didn't feel like a big show like at all. It felt like like a special, I guess, like Great American Bash. That'd be a good way to explain it. It's not a like it. Great American Bash wasn't a takeover, but it was a, like a special show. So this felt like a special TV show. It's, it felt like a TV show, but a special TV show, uh, which. For All Out, where it, that's previously been AEW's biggest show, now this really didn't feel like that at all. Of course, you'd, you don't know how much this thrown off the rails. And the thing to really take into account, which I 100% did, one, obviously, this is the COVID era, so it's not going to feel like the big feeling of uh, the previous All Out slash All In. So that's not going to be there because there's no crowd or a limited crowd. Shout out to uh, Social Suplexes, uh, uh, Jeremy Donovan and... Uh, Rich Lasser, who were both there live tonight, and I didn't spot them on camera, but they took photos, so I know they're there. <laughs> but the point being, it didn't feel like that special of a show, and for all the multitude of reasons, that's kind of the final point. Uh, so yeah, the final point I was going to get to before I review the match was the heat. One hundred percent had a effect on this show. One hundred percent, the heat had an effect on this show. And with the, I can't remember what degree he said it was, I think he said it was like 74 Fahrenheit, and the humidity was incredibly high. They were joking it was uh, like 1 million or 100, <laughs> but it seemed very high that they're talking like 90. I've not looked, and I need to go on to the actual <laughs> weather to have a look. But point being, it's bloody hot, and that one seemed to have an effect, because you're wrestling in that heat, not entirely safe, and I think we saw on a couple of occasions a couple of slips in the uh, out there in the ring. We're getting outside, you ain't got air conditioning, so you're gonna bloody feel that heat. Uh, a knock on effect from the COVID world, like obviously, if they were wrestling indoors, they'd have that, and the conditions wouldn't be the same, it wouldn't matter as much. Obviously, they'd be in Chicago as well, which <laughs> means they wouldn't feel this Jacksonville heat, so it wouldn't matter either. Anyway, so let's talk about the main event. So, first off, I have got a comment. Uh, uh, let me say this says uh, Safet. Uh, MJF undefeated streak is over. It is. It was two streaks were going to end. I like it when wrestling does that. Where you've got two streaks. Streak one is a dominant champion who's been having one hell of a run in that's what the John Moxley is. Then there's the challenger who has been undefeated in AEW. And I kinda like the story that MJF is clearly a future star. He just challenged too early. I kinda like that where he tried to keep up with him. He tried to do it, but he just couldn't. He just couldn't keep up with John Moxley, and I really like that. <laughs> I like that story. They stuck with it as well. And like the story of MGF backing up his words, the I'm better in the ring than you, that he was really solidifying on Dynamite, whilst uh, champion Moxley's like, just happy to be nice and clobber the man around ringside. Like, again, playing off exactly how MGF said the match would go, and it played into that. I, I thought that was great. Wardlow, obviously a big factor in the match, but MJF genuinely did back up his words. And that's how I felt the match was overall. Uh, Lance Archer being at ringside was also a nice touch, having won, uh, spoilers for later, but having won the Casino Battle Royale, uh, Lance Archer 
was then sat there at ringside. And uh, so you know the focus is there. And we did see this the immediate thought of, well, Lance Archer, massive big heel lad. <laughs> Lance Archer has won the Casino Royale. Is there any chance MJF wins? <laughs> and the answer was no. <laughs> of course he doesn't. A, um, and like, I will say, uh, this kind of momentum of it all took a swing after uh, the brawl found MJF good, eventually Moxley properly catching him. And he was emerging with blood trickling down his face as Moxley was in the ring attempting to fix his shoulder. Uh, Freeman forced to show he can dig deep and hang with the tough lads of AEW. And because uh, that MJF was targeting the arm and going after that. And because this finisher, which is called Salt of the Earth, that's it. Trying to lock that in and really struggling to do so. And then Moxley was just big old brawl. <laughs> and uh, MJF targets in the arm. Moxley, I guess the head? <laughs> but like a brawler has many targets. <laughs> like, the issue being, like Moxley would normally attack the head a fair bit before going for the paradigm shift. But that's banned. So the rest of his kind of match strategy, he was still targeting the head. He was still going into that brawly affair. But like, so even with MJF bearing the crimson mask, like the champion wasn't able to nail his final blow. Like MJF able to wrench down on the arm instead. And when he goes to lock in the paradigm shift, he's then found himself just reversed around the ground. It's like, oh crap, I can't lock in the move. And that's enough hesitation. I thought that was great. And um, also a little, well, hello <laughs> for New Japan fans as uh, Moxley hits the Gop-style pile driver because that's the finishing move of Minoru Suzuki, badass Minoru Suzuki, uh, who he, who Moxley was set to face before COVID ruined all the fun. And he hit that move. As, as my immediate reaction was, oh, hello, Suzuki. <laughs> Just a little nod. Uh, a running joke between myself and Sir Sam uh, during the show of... Uh, New Japan to AEW confirmed. <laughs> just little things that happen. It's just like tag matches. Like, yep. Yeah, tag matches. <laughs> tag matches happen. Therefore, oh, New Japan to AEW confirmed. Like, got so a pie driver. New Japan to AEW confirmed. <laughs> it's happening. It's the gag from last year, which is why it's funny to bring it back now. <laughs> it's not funny if I say it's funny. It's not how jokes work. Um, in the end, though, it was uh, Maxwell's heel-cheeky tendencies that cost him. Wardlow going to chuck the diamond ring to MJF, but he fumbles the catch, eventually finds it, but Mox was suddenly back up and nailed the man with a paradigm shift. The referee, distracted, shouting at Wardlow to get down, doesn't see it. One, two, three, and Moxley retains in a main event, which I'm going to mostly forget, unfortunately. It's, I feel like I might need to rewatch it. I didn't see a lot of like massively glowing reviews, but I did see it was it was good, and I thought it was good. I thought it was good. I generally I saw a lot of good things in there, but I was way too tired to actually enjoy it, <laughs> which, which I guess is a shame. Um, again, it was it was a card like show structured in two halves in a way, where you got your kind of chaotic madness fun in the first half. Then you got your more serious tag matches, you got more serious rivalries in the second. Even though one of them was in the shape of a mimosa <laughs> mayhem match. <laughs> took yourself into a, took your rival into a vat of mimosa. It's like, oh, that's not, <laughs> well, <laughs> anyway. Uh, yeah, so, yeah, I guess my overall kind of feeling, I think, for All Out. I, I think I enjoyed parts of it, but there were massive chunks of it where I kind of didn't. And this is the first AW pay-per-view. 
Well, I guess you could call it the worst one, but the bar is so much higher. It's not like comparing it to the shows where fans were walking out of WWE events. Like when I say this is the worst one, it's not like oh my god, worst show ever. It's it's equivalent. It's ba- it's compa- being compared to the other AEW pay per views, which I think have all been hits, like every single one of them. But this one, I thought this was the. I don't know if I'd call it a, like a failure or definitely bad show, but I can say. This was the first match where I came out of it tired. That's not happened. Like even if, because I've done it, I've done AEW shows at this hour before. Like visually, just in podcast form. This is the first time doing it with video, so you get to see what I actually look like at five a.m. when I'm knackered, when I'm blurry, where everything to me looks like a nineties soap opera because it's got that blur effect on. <laughs> but like, it's got the bloom edges. But like, life's. Life looks nice at this area. It's just like, it's dark. <laughs> Point being, let's just get off that tangent. Point being, this was the first AW show where I came out of it tired. And even though I've done shows at this hour before, this was the first time I was feeling it. I was just, because uh, I was watching this uh, on my laptop on my bed. Probably didn't help. <laughs> but this is, like, I've not done this before. Not even with the WWE show. Whereas, uh, like, in the main event, I was just kind of lying across my bed, just like, uh, <laughs> just knackered. <laughs> I was just out of it, just like wake me, Jr. <laughs> I was just gone. Uh, yeah. So yeah. So that was that. Anyway, why aren't I recording this? Because I'm mad. <laughs> it's the best way to put this. Uh, tradition for this to be live. I stick with it being live. Anyway. Let's go to... I wanted to kind of do the tag match next because it was in the highlights of like the big matches building up to it, but I guess it makes more sense for me to just go down the card in reverse order. So it'll be Mimosa Mayhem next. A bit of fun. That'll wake me up a bit. <laughs> then we'll go to the uh, AW Tag Team match. That's the one I really want to talk about. Then then we'll get to my match of the night, which wasn't the tag match, even though I was really looking forward to it and the character kind of moments afterwards. So, yeah. So next up was a Mimosa Mayhem match. Chris Jericho versus Orange Cassidy. I'm orange tonight because of this light. <laughs> so uh, for my replacement light, because it's bloody behind a plasterboard. <laughs> it's very unique circumstance to be. Anyway, so uh, Chris Jericho versus Orange Cassidy seems to be a feud that split some people. I thought it's been all right, and the only issues I've kind of had is the slight jarringness in the super seriousness mixed in with the pure kind of silly fun in which this is because Jericho's normally really good at that but there's something about this feud which has jarred a little bit for me like the flow of super serious suit and pretty silly it's not it's not gelled and, gelled and flowed as well as it has in other Chris Jericho feuds and you would think with somebody like Orange Cassidy that would work really well but maybe Orange Cassidy is just maybe a bit too into the comedy kind of sector a bit for me to properly buy into it. Because Chris Jericho's done these kind of matches before. I've gotten into them. What's different with this one? <laughs> Maybe it is that Orange Cassidy is taking quite a big swing in this Joker feud from entertaining quite funny guy who would show the odd bit of seriousness to full on, like, it's, it's a full on jumping from one to the other. Uh, I don't know. I don't, know. I, I, think it's, I don't really know how to explain it. I could just say that I've not felt, uh, I've not dug the seriousness of this in a way. But, after a boiling night in Jacksonville, last thing you'd want is to be submerged in a hot tub of mimosa. <laughs> just again, that heat with that humidity—that was not a been fun for Jericho. Uh, 
But match-wise, Jericho right off the bat was beating the crap out of Orange Cassidy. They code breaker at the bell, over the top to brawl by the mimosa from the gate, and quickly becoming a fun ringside brawl. Like, honestly, I think the only negative here is the card position. This match, happening three hours in, is maybe catching me a tad tired. <laughs> like, even if I was American, I would assume a bit of fatigue was starting to kick in around this point thinking there's still a championship match to come. We're over three hours in, and we're doing a Mimosa Mayhem match. <laughs> it's like, ah, right. <laughs> like, I generally enjoy the tub side teasings, but it's more of I, I think I did, because I, I was also quite tired. And I felt, I don't know if I would say this match would, went too long. I think it was like perfectly fine. I thought the pacing of it was great. The teasings are falling into top tubs like is he gonna f is it oh, oh no he's good oh is he though <laughs> it's like oh he's dabbed his leg in oh does that count no it doesn't count oh like yeah i generally enjoyed it and uh, jericho with the power my favorite my favorite teasers was probably the power bomb where cassidy went for Ivana and he gets caught and jericho turns the power bomb him and, and cassidy's like no 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 so he power bombs him on the guess, kind of tub staging area don't know what to call that <laughs> and and then Joker goes to lift him up again to then powerbomb him into the motor, but he fights him off again and instead just gets powerbombed through a table. And it's like, yeah, I like those teasers. I'm somebody who really like where you've got somebody dangling over thing in wrestling. I really like the tease of that. Like, and part of why I love Royal Rumbles. Part of why I generally enjoyed Shane McMahon versus Kevin Owens. Not The Undertaker. <laughs> Kevin Owens. <laughs> Two very different matches. Uh, both with the same ending. But it's still, I... Really enjoyed Seth and Kevin Owens. I thought they teased the what's going to happen at this cell, and that was like the first one where I felt like no, Kevin Owens is crazy enough to actually jump off himself. So I don't. I did at the time. I didn't know. Oh, is this going to be a passing of the torch moment or just another Shane jump? It was just another Shane jump. I read too much into it. <laughs> it was all right, but I like the teasing over the thing. And this match was tease after tease. Both men coming so close or just avoiding orange disaster. Uh, on the end, on the end, in the end, Jericho got caught climbing the ring ropes with a Superman punch from Orange Cassidy. Uh, with the Canadian Daze just hanging on, leaning backwards, Cassidy follows up with a second punch and Jericho went flying into one hot tub of mimosa. Uh, and that was the end of the match. Good for you. Good for you. <laughs> That's the best way to sum this up. Uh, I enjoyed it, but I was tired at that point. I was ready for the show to end. And I guess it's my biggest criticism of this show. I felt like it didn't need to be this long. It didn't need all of these matches. And with the way... In terms of what definitely added to the things and moved forward. Uh, I think I would remove the Dark Order tag match. Even though I really like the look and feel of the Dark Order. And this match getting them over as a really strong unit. And then the story of the faces still winning. Because again it sets up a TV title match. Which is why it feels like a TV match. You could easily have done this match on Dynamite this week. And then done the Dustin Rhodes versus Brody Lee match the week after. And it would have saved me a bit of time on the show. Could have gone straight from I think it was Shida to... Uh, the next match after that, which was a tag match, just from one to the other. But I guess the multi-man acted as a breather between Shida and the uh, title match, so I guess there's that. Uh, but again, it's a it's a show which I enjoyed moments of, but over, overall it was just a bit long. And then by the end of it, I was just like waiting for it to end and 
card visiting wise, I didn't have much energy for them in most of the match. But the fact that I they kind of won me over and I enjoyed it, that's I guess a massive credit to them. They made me enjoy a match. I really didn't. I generally I was trying to think what's the next match. Surely it's the main event now after the tag match and when the Mimosa graphic came I was like oh my god I forgot about an AEW Chris Jericho match <laughs> like oh dear but that kind of tells you that what I'm thinking is on the match I'm just forgetting about it I forgot to change the image to lovely love I've not even reordered the images correctly so that's going to be great I might as well just leave it it's so out of order uh, but I can change it for this one bang it's Omega Hangman and the next match is fine I think is it all out after that yeah let's go with that yeah, I'm getting this in lovely, lovely order, live on the television. Not television, you know what I'm trying to say. Well, I think they're all in order now. <laughs> but Omega and Hangman versus FTR. Am I missing one? Yeah, I am. Anyway, this match, yes, yes. <laughs> so still a really, really enjoyable match. But again, oh, they gave a lot of time to it, and it did play out, and I really... In... I really, I didn't know whether it enjoys the word because I'm not meant to enjoy FTR dominating a match and like they're grinding down the hills and they are controlling the thing. I'm not meant to enjoy that, but I guess I respect it. <laughs> it's a better way. Uh, the way they control is nobody controls a match like that to such a degree with so to make it so smooth and to still make it entertaining. Like FTR, like massive, massive credit uh, to that where they can do that and still make me not like them. They, like, they did all that massive control, and I appreciate it, but I, I'm not enjoying it. <laughs> but I appreciate it. It's like, yeah, you're, you're doing, what you're doing is really good. Yeah. Yeah, get it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but ahead of this tag match of AEW World Tag Team Championships between Kenny Omega, Hammond Page, and FTR, to realise they didn't properly introduce it, like, I was so incredibly hyped for this match. Like, easily the one I was most looking forward to. Uh, AEW set such a bar earlier, Revolution, early this year. That when paired with these new these new opponents, I was like, it was so difficult for me to not get hyped or excited. And the story going in has also been like it's been amazing to boot. It's such a well crafted arc for Hangman, a well orchestrated mind messing from the heel challengers. Like seen straight from the off with Paige in this match where he's in his own head, uh, taking anger out and needing calming down from Omega. As, and that led to FTR subsequently controlling the match for large portions of it. Like a uh, pinfall scoring closer and closer to that three. And then uh, Kenny having to dig deep to fight back in. Like nailing his moves but draining more and more energy as Hangman lay downed on the ringside. Kind of paying for the earlier mistakes. It's just that the, mo the emotion got too much to him. Kenny calmed him down. but And they hit a, maybe a bit of tangent offense but FTR were already in at that point. Like, uh, Wheeler and Hardwood just really methodically wearing down Omega. Uh, meaning when Paige did eventually run in, it took a fair while till both lads were set for some top-level cowboy shit. Like, FTR controlling the match so affirmatively. Uh, Omega and Paige never really with any long string on top, because they had strings. They hit their strings of offence. But I never call it a long string, like, especially compared to FTR. Uh, the time on top was nowhere near the same. Um, I, and I guess at this point I can jump to the end. Uh, the end coming in that exact circumstance. Which is why it's nice, a nice little link. Wheeler ducking the bookshot lariat. Then avoiding a V-trigger. Instead sending Omega flying into Hangman. The cowboy was never back in the match after that. Just completely like sent com completely out. <laughs> after being hit by that V-trigger. Uh, 
he was kicking out of FTR moves, but uh, the challengers zoned in with vicious intent, keeping Omega on the fringe of the ring as they hit big move after big move. And then out in the coffin being that assisted pile driver, driving Paige down headfirst, and we have a new AEW tag team champion. No, that's not that's weird, isn't it? <laughs> new tag team champions. It's because I said A. I singled it out when it's a double thing. Uh, yeah, again, it was a really long match. So I have I've slimmed that down because the match was about 30 minutes, I think. And it had a lot of time to play out the stuff I'm talking about. Where like FDR's control of the match, uh, Kenny Omega trying to fight back in when Kenny Omega eventually does make the tag because they do their best to stop the tag from happening. But when they do event, when he does eventually make the tag, Kenny Omega's in no kind of form to help, <laughs> so it ends up being like a still still a two on one, and it takes quite a while to get to that point where they can actually team together and help out. And uh, I like that. It kind of like a little subtle thing was it mirrored the Young Bucks match at the start, where the Young Bucks kind of tried to do that to not quite the same effect. They, Like, the Young Bucks got it got a lot closer to losing, essentially, than FDR did. And I like that little subtle... Because we're building to Young Bucks versus FDR. And for me, there's like a little subtle thing of Young Bucks saying, we can dominate a match too. We can control a match. But FDR showed you how you really control a match here. Uh, even if they were capitalising off an error. But did they somewhat force it? Uh, after the bell, uh, they place a beer by Hangman before leaving, just to mess about. Cheap knockoff, just beer called beer. <laughs> That's always a great sign. Uh, then Kenny has a whole run of emotions just wash all over him. Like, really not sure how he wants to react. He's got a piece of a table, and he's going to do something with it, and just chucks it away. Seemingly just angry with Hangman. Uh, ends up exiting with his partner still in the ring. He walks up, but he walks backstage up to and past the books, uh, ang uh, angrily ranting on his ills the entire time, uh, arguing with the books as well. He goes straight out of the arena, talking to them the entire time, right into his car with Matt and Nick Jackson trying to talk sense into him. And Kenny makes one last offer before getting in and getting driven off. It's just like, draw me or just think about it, just think about it, just come with me, like yeah. Uh, and as Sir Sam worded it to me on Twitter, economist here at Lords of Pain, uh, season one ending vibes right there. So yes, it feels like this is where all the tensions kind of boil up, everything you've been building up to, then they all blow off and people go their ways. But of course they come back for season two. <laughs> so you've seen the blow off. You've seen the, re the, react the immediate reaction to the blow off. Now what? Well, not the blow off, the blow up. That's a better phrase. Yeah, you've seen the blow-up, you've seen the reaction to the blow-up. Now people have gone separate ways. Uh, yeah, yeah, I really, really like that. Even though I'm not going to like champion this match, really. Because I wouldn't say this match was uh, anywhere near... Especially if you're really tuning in for the incredible kind of tag team level. I wouldn't say this is anywhere near Revolution. But it does move the story along really, really well. And in terms of setting up character as well, like for FDR, showing how they can really, really control and dominate a match. That's exactly what they did here. Uh, including, of course, so many callbacks to the different tag teams that they hold in such high regard. Because uh, they are a throwback team. Like, literally using their moves <laughs> kind of really does help sell that point. And they really controlled it. So they can feel like a dominant tag team thanks to this match. But also, the reason they lost is because of a mistake, and Hangman found himself kind of caught in the mistake, and Kenny Omega's 
also had enough, like the books had had enough, but seemingly breaking a bit further because the books were still wanting to call William back and just saying like, no, let's let's talk about it. Let's just, let's not like immediately leave the premises and Kenny Maker's his jaw has snapped. But that is again end of season one TV show type of stuff, and season two is where we come back and we get the good stuff. <laughs> you see the reaction uh, to everything that's happened. When does, is Kenny Omega going to be there on Wednesday or do we have a week off? Do we have a month off? I don't know. Is it this Kenny Omega that returns? They've been teasing the cleaner uh, on being the elite. I think a little bit on Dynamite. I tend to get confused. Like little subtle things like that. I do tend to get confused which bits were on being the elite, which bits were on Dynamite. Because I think they teased the cleaner on Dynamite and then did the properties on being the elite. I can't remember. That's really irritating. A quick sip of water before I go through the rest of the card. Mm. Lovely jubbly. Take that, podcast listeners. Hearing <laughs> me. Sip my water. Anyway, so again, I really I enjoyed parts of the match, but I wouldn't say that I in full, thoroughly enjoyed it and, and I can't wait to watch it again. I'm not in that vein. Again, I more appreciate it and what it does to move to the phone, which makes this feel more like a TV special again. Because you're not. Yeah, he's not giving me the incredible like with AEW so far it's been incredible value like the bang for your buck has been incredible but it's not <laughs> this match was not that it was a really high quality if, if this was a TV special like they did with Fight the Fallen or whatever like, yeah I would give no qualms because the way it moved the stories along was really really well done and this was a big blow up blow up moment and I've, again I really really enjoyed that and as I'm hitting it on the head that this was like a season one ending, I, it, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I was stuck. There was a still the massive shadow over this show, and it felt, I think, because of what happened in the Matt Hardy match, because of the shadow that was then cast over the show. I think there was more pressure on the later matches to deliver, but this was not that kind of show, and the shadow and the cloud that was cast over was actually pretty damning purely because the rest of the card to come wasn't really ever going to massively bring everyone back. And uh, the story beats that were to follow were really good story beats, really good character beats, but you're not getting exhilarating, oh my god, incredible matches. Which I think, pe after the Matt Hardy thing, is what people were wanting. They were wanting like this match to save the show, or that match to save the show, because it was all over Twitter. The, the phrase dot 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 has got to save the show now. It's like, that wasn't the show they'd built. Which I guess, yeah, it's, this show, that's why the show all kind of falls flat a bit. And maybe I feel a bit tired. So, yeah. Anyway, next up, a Dark Order versus Natural Nightmares, Matt Cardona and Scorpio Sky. This was a match I was talking about earlier, possibly being the one to maybe leave out. But it does give you a breather from the fantastic Sheeta Rosa match to then the what uh, the big like, story beats moment. Again, it was absolutely solid, Hangman, uh, Hangman Omega versus FTR. Absolutely solid. Just not, again, your barn burner, oh my god, incredible five stars. Give it all the stars. But it is really, really good. It's really well done. Again, appreciative. <laughs> it's the best word for it. Uh, but this uh, multi-man, again, I liked what this does for the Dark Order. Seeing them operate as a unit like this, massive thumbs up. Seeing the faces steal a win in the way that they did, massive thumbs up. What it sets up later, massive thumbs up. Only thing... Does it need to be on pay-per-view and take up time on a show which is already really long? Again, it's half five in the morning as I'm recapping it. 
does it need to be a four-hour show? Like, did this show really need to be four hours? So I'm not really sure it did. Uh, anyway, I've been really enjoying the Dark Order of late. Like, how funny their BT skits certainly helps. But Brody Lee winning the TNT Championship really has so far been the perfect addition to the act. Like, helping it all somewhat fall into place. It's only been two weeks. Two or three weeks. But that's been the thing for me. Like, re him winning the championship is just... The whole act works. Especially now. Uh, I would really recommend watching their BT skits. <laughs> like, really, really... Uh, just fleshes out the entire group and makes you care for all of them. It seems like a, like little bits of that character work are bleeding into the television. Because there's like been a weird kind of split of... Kind of semi-jokey kind of feeling on the uh, BTE episodes. Then there's the super serious on television... And yeah, I think we're seeing stuff bleed in for like stuff from BTE bleed into the Dark Order characters because they are really entertaining. And I don't mean that in a they need to do comedy to win me over. I mean that in a they are seriously entertaining, but at the same time getting Brody Lee over as this like just crazy leader, a cult like kind of entity. And that they've kind of you can hone you can hone your character on it on BTE like that, I guess. And now they can bring it to television after being like, no, this generally works. <laughs> you can push it like this. Uh, but this was a chaotic eight-man tag. Uh, interferences galore. Both teams having an equaliser for each member of the other. A case of point, I guess, would be Anna J running into interfere. JR saying, a damn it, JR, line. <laughs> and then Brandy Rhodes charged in and just kicked Anna J down. Just, again... Yeah, each member had a equaliser, essentially. Uh, really playing out as the match became increasingly frantic, and Scorpio Sky got a really... Uh, he was really getting a strong run out of, sort of like certain parts of this match. Uh, I think when it went truly chaotic, he just went on a massive run. Uh, the real story here was the workings of the Dark Order, like how well they work as a unit and stomp out the momentum of the faces, fighting back with hearts. Uh, but in the end, it was, a, it was, it was as simple as Dustin Rhodes out-wrestling Colt Cabana and scoring a sudden three. Uh, Brody Lee with a face of pure anger at Cabana for losing them that match. After the match, Paul, uh, pushing and shouting at poor Colt before leaving, uh, Evil Uno then walks Colt out of the ring. Uh, the Dark Order is still unit. Dark Order is fine, as Evil Uno tweeted <laughs> shortly after. Um... But again, they were working really well as a unit, then it was a single person's error that lost them the match. Suddenly, there's consequences, because now, as it was announced afterwards in an immediate backstage interview, uh, where Dustin Rhodes was talking about feeling awesome on defeating the Dark Order, uh, then Skia Vaughan informs him that this Wednesday he'll be facing Brody Lee for the TNT Championship. Colt Cabana's loss has immediate consequences. So even though this was a tag match just on the show, it felt like it was eating up time. Uh, I get to kind of why sometimes when you watch the WWE show and you're feeling like it's things happening rather than you being super invested in the matches, this is a case in point of why a loss happened here in a seemingly random tag match, but suddenly there's immediate consequences and the leader has to defend his title the next night. But yeah. It's just immediate consequences to losses uh, is a thing that was really missing from WWE. We'll say, massive plus, they brought that back for SummerSlam. SummerSlam felt like a slightly different show because seemingly every match had consequences and things that would then 
spout off of it, and you're now seeing on the weekly television, like we're having a smackdown between Sasha and Bailey, like like consequences of recent things that have happened, and storylines spouting off of that. So you know, thumbs up, they're doing it. <laughs> it's slowly happening, uh, but this again, AW seem to be very comfortable in doing things like that, given that's been their kind of ethos from the start. I say from the start, it's near. They're reaching a year soon. They're getting close. <laughs> uh, anyway, AEW Women's Champion versus NWA Women's Champion. Hikaru Shida versus Thunder Rosa. My match of the night. Remember, I, I did not change it for the Dark Order match, so let's change the image for Shida Thunder Rosa. Well done, me. Uh, I'm allowed to forget stuff at this early time. <laughs> but this was my match of the night. Really enjoyed this. Uh... I felt sorry for them after they suddenly found themselves immediately having to follow the cloud of the match prior in the Matt Hardy Sammy Guevara. But boy, did they do an amazing job at this. I thought this match was fantastic. <laughs> like They did a really good job gradually building, uh, given enough time to flesh out and for us to get our heads back in the game. But at an incredible pace. So it makes it even more impressive to me. Uh, Thunder Rosa looked great, like, but the match was rolling. I just want to throw that out there before getting <laughs> back to the face. But the match was rolling along at a great, quick pace. Like from the get-go, packed the rim with counters as the two seamlessly, endlessly reversed each other throughout the match. Uh, Rosa, in particular, was the one more able to hit strings of offense after said uh, counter swing, uh, both elevating the viciousness of their attempts as it went on. Uh, like, for example, Rosa driving Shida down onto the apron with a Death Valley driver. Or shortly after that, Shida flying with the double knees. A Meteora sending the NWA champion crashing hard onto the ramp. Like, what was so damn impressive was the pace never let. Uh, the, the entire train rattled down the track at the same high speed. Like, growing more and more impressive as the match went on. They just maintained that pace, which I thought was... Again, as it, as they start hitting those bigger moves at that same pace they were hitting the lighter moves with earlier, it becomes more and more impressive. Shida eventually able to crash Rosa down onto her knee, I think for the second time in the match, knocking the wind truly out of her this time, and finally able to follow up with her patented running knee for the three. Because uh, again, with so many counters, with such a quick pace, <laughs> Rosa was never like down long enough for in the right position for her to hit that knee, and the, finally when she was, she immediately capitalised. Uh, yeah, fantastic match. <laughs> if you're going to check out any match from this show, for me it's this one because it followed a difficult situation. But if you don't watch the difficult situation, then you can just get into this match. The crowd obviously weren't into it because they'd been taken out by what was happening, but it was still a solid match. It just went at such a quick pace for the entire thing. Just massive thumbs up. <laughs> really, really enjoyed it. Um, it's not really anything... Not really more to add, but that's on a positive note. It was such a quick pace with so many great counters. Uh, Thunder Rosa looked fantastic. Uh, hopefully this isn't the last we see of Thunder Rosa in AEW. Uh, I know she's the NWA champion, but uh, she impressed so much I wouldn't mind seeing more of her especially as the NWA is on hiatus and who knows what's going to happen next who knows what's going to happen with their champions uh, I don't I, I don't know what's going to happen to the show obviously uh, they've been they're one that's been massively affected by COVID in terms of are they even going to definitely return uh, for proper uh, but still they'll be 
that their their stock will have raised with this match here, and Thunder Rosa's stock in particular will have raised after, especially after putting on such a strong event uh, event showing. I don't know where I'm going with that. <laughs> Words are escaping me. Anyway, really enjoyed the match. Watch it; it was fantastic. Uh, next up was a backstage interview uh, before we were, then went to the Dark Order match. It's Kip Sabian. And because of what happened earlier, this is normally something that would get lots of attention online. And it feels like it's kind of designed to. But with the Matt, Hard the Matt Hardy thing, I think, was the one topic. And that's the next match to talk about conveniently. But, uh, so little things which would normally get like, uh, kind of people talking didn't really have an effect because everyone was still talking about the Matt Hardy handling. Uh, but it was a backstage interview with Kip Sabian and Penelope Ford. And they announced they're getting married. Get ready for that big old fancy wrestling wedding. Uh, those are always, uh, they always end perfectly fine, perfectly well. Uh, the best one being Eric Young marrying ODB inside a steel cage. <laughs> and as soon as I heard that on TNA, as soon as I heard that, I was like, ah, well, that's going to end perfectly fine. Wrestling, yay. It ended in a brawl. Of course it ended in a brawl. <laughs> um, but before the end, Kip remembers one last thing, and he lifts a sign plugging his Twitch channel to the cheer of the crowd. They could, the crowd still could react to things, and this was one of them. Just seeing that reaction to him plugging his Twitch channel. It's, I'll call it WWE presenting like essentially low-hanging fruit, which is pretty easy to pluck. And AEW have shown kind of like they're perfectly willing to pluck the easy fruit which WWE are offering. <laughs> it's just they're, they're it's not they don't have to do much AEW. They just do the normal thing. It's like when X with the current generation of Xbox and PlayStation, where Xbox made it really difficult for you to share your games, and PlayStation just went, "This is how you share games," and it's just a bloke passing the video game to another bloke. Like that's how you do it. End of video. And uh, again, easy win. That, that's what I'll call that. <laughs> it's an easy win for AW just to say, yeah, no, we won't stop you from making side money off of your name. So yeah, because the comparison I've seen with that, not to go on a tangent, but it's happening. <laughs> the comparison I've seen with that is an actor and a big like Marvel role. But for me, the difference is that actor will play other roles. He's not just that one thing. In wrestling, more often than not, especially if you are like a big stage kind of uh, entity, you are just the one thing and your kind of window for fame is so small that if you don't kind of bleed it as much as you can in that small kind of period, then uh, you, you might struggle a bit. You see, see you might become Virgil, <laughs> which is the... Because... Uh, uh, but to look at Big E, he's made a killing during this era. Not to forget, those people also have had a massive loss of income because they're not doing house shows. The merchandisers are all massively down. So they've had to, well, I say they had to be inverse. You know what I mean? It's like you got 60 grand or something at e, Big E. But it's, yeah. It's one of those things where if they tried that in a different country, I'll say like Australia or the UK, they'd be faced with quite a bit of contention and a bit of backlash. But in America, where there's a massive like anti-union kind of still push, and their, uh, I guess, societal feel, I guess, is a way to explain it. Uh, they, the government tried that over here. It's just not really caught on. As in, even with the, quite often our news sometimes reporting it as bad, it's in most general consensus, that's not caught on. And, and I think in America, there's a much bigger, I guess, anti-union 
feeling that's about. Obviously, not everybody. Obviously, uh, I might even be talking 49 to 51. <laughs> but it's a it's a different issue. It's a different issue, unionising in America. There's a bigger push against it. But uh, I guess maybe that's because I'm talking about it from the wrestling point of view as well. That's not exactly fair to compare a lot of the other parts of the country to it. But in WWE, unions seem to be a massive thing that immediately gets shut down. But case in point, this is case in point for a union. Uh, but because of the contract they've signed, when the contract they can be as broad as they can and then use it to do this, um, knowing that the people are, that their employees, the wrestlers, they might feel that like consequences of pushing back against it going well actually no and uh yeah but i will say case uh, but the worry was they would stop you from using your name and you wouldn't be able to do a personal stream but it looks like they don't want you using your wrestling name which is different for someone like Paige, where her real name isn't Paige. you can just use her real life name and there you go take the wwe branding off it but with somebody where it is their name well, that's the name they've always gone by, especially in that world. That's a, that's an odd one. Yeah, what do you do there? It, but I'm, I'm expecting the reasoning is because, oh, this is a massive sum of money. Do WWE want to do their own thing? So do it like that. But I don't really feel like the actor, like the one I saw specifically was Chris Hemsworth, Chris Hemsworth and Thor. I don't think that's comparable. Because for that to work, he would only have to ever play Thor. And he would have to then turn up as Thor, because no, I am Thor. But you know Chris Hemsworth. You don't really know the people behind the wrestlers because you don't really see them. But you see Chris Hemsworth. It's Chris Hemsworth who's announced everywhere, everywhere. Uh, whilst Joe is announced as Roman Reigns everywhere. It's uh, yeah, they're not the same. I guess the best way to do it. At the end of the day, they need to unionize. That's just the best way to put it because the Vince McMahon this is not the first time there's multiple uh, evidences uh, I can't remember his name somebody was tweeting about uh, like things in the past that he has done to kind of take money away from his folk I'm going on a massive tangent I need to bring it back to AEW <laughs> point being I was fine with the rib <laughs> I guess that's the thing but these kind of ribs normally get a lot of chatter on AW, on uh, the internet where there's people like me who's like yeah it's fine like both sides poke poke fun of each other, then you take then there's other people who really take offence to either side pushing against the other one, be it firmly in the on the side of AEW or firmly on the side of WWE or not liking the provoking at all. I'm just like that's fine. Like who cares? Like it's a bit of gets a chuckle out of certain fans. That's it. <laughs> not much more to it. Right next up, well bang, Matt Hardy versus Sammy Guevara. Right, from one controversial point to the other. My God, my eyes are half shut, but let's bloody go on with it. So, Matt Hardy versus Sammy Guevara, broken rules. Off uh, the match, I would say, looked like it would be off to a strong start, as Hardy was immediately out on the football field, as, and then Sammy was driving to reap revenge in the car. I was like, oh, yes, I love that. Fantastic. They brawl a tad, and then they climb up onto a lift escalator thing <laughs> all I remember is you can you can hack them in Watch Dogs 2 <laughs> so whatever they're called um, then they both kind of brawl onto the top there's a merch table below and they brawl a tad uh, Sammy then spears Matt Hardy off of that lift thing and down through the merch table and afterwards like Hardy's down for the count and when he landed you can kind of see 
like the he land he he doesn't catch a lot of the table and he lands on the concrete pretty hard and like flat on it's seemingly kind of flat uh, flat high on his back and bashing his head as well uh aubrey looks looks at hardy and she immediately calls an ex as it seemingly and as it kind of played out a bit like hardy is clearly knocked loopy he can't stand he can't He's trying to do stuff with something vile, but he's kind of falling over. And it comes across as, like... And she throws up the X again. The doctor comes over and talks to him. She uh, Orby pushes something vile away. And it was like... And then we cut to the officials. The officials. We cut... Not to the officials. We cut to the commentators. And, like, Tony, JR, and Excalibur in, like, kind of serious tone, sounding like they're kind of killing time to maybe cut to the next match. But there, we watched Sammy Guevara kind of stumble his way into an area. Uh, but after they do their serious tone ending, Matt is on his feet. He eventually makes his way to Sammy and the match gets underway again. And they brawl to the stage, climb a stage in tower. Hardy then kind of does light punches for us on there. And Guevara launches off and down through a setup big crash thing. <laughs> and Matt Hardy wins. But it felt like they had a whole match planned. Matt Hardy took a massive, a really bad bump. The referee's like, no, he's gone. And then when he tries to fight, he's like, no, I'm fine, I'm fine. And Aubrey Edwards is like, no, you're not. The referee comes over. And this is where the controversy starts. Around this point where, of course, you, you don't always know what's kayfabe and what's genuine. But the fact that two X's have been thrown up at this point... Then uh, the reason given to commentary, well, uh, the reason commentary give later, let's word it like that, was the referee asked Matt Hardy if he was fine. He said yes. But what we know about concussions <laughs> is you have to overrule them. Which, uh, for case in point, over here in the Premier League, in our football, in our football league, if a player gets a concussion, it is out of their hands. It does not matter the words they say. It is down to the doctor. If the doctor's like, no, you've had a concussion, that is it. Blanket, you can't come on. Um, if it's determining, could he have a concussion or is he just a tad out of it and he'd be fine in a, in a second. And you know, if he's certain it's a concussion, you don't come back. And uh, seemingly for Aubrey to call the X twice, because it did look bad. And just seeing uh, uh, Rebby, uh, Matt Hardy's wife, just seeing... Her tweets, her reactions, just like, oh my god, what? what? <laughs> it wasn't a tad of a thing. <laughs> like, you crazy person. And uh, the next jarring thing was when the commentators gave the reasoning of, oh, after we just uh, talked to Doctor backstage and Matt Hardy said he was fine and Sammy Guevara is also like, seemingly fine as well. Uh, they were seemingly given like, a storyline uh, on air within kayfabe thing of, oh, they're both going to be fine. And then within a minute, we were seeing all over Twitter, like, Matt Hardy's gone to hospital. Uh, to get uh, likely to get scanned. It's just like mm, that was not good, <laughs> not not a good look to give that reasoning, and immediately we're finding out no, he's gone to the hospital. Like, well, that's bad. That's that's pretty bad, especially as that was then their opportunity to kind of be a bit a little bit honest and just say what the situation is. But no, no, they uh, no, <laughs> they went with a bad route instead. Um, but the match felt like uh, they just jumped to the end spot after the nasty bump for Hardy. Uh, but another another thing, if it turns out he was concussed, then him climbing that tower is a bit iffy. As in, they gave the match a go-ahead to continue. Uh, plus, it is a known thing. 
that a play, that a somebody who gets a concussion can say no, I'm fine, I'm fine. But then because they were concussed, they generally won't remember them saying that at all. It can be uh, pretty dangerous. Right, let's 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 jump to a because it's getting quite long. I didn't realise it took me this long to get through this bloody card. <laughs> right, Casino Battle Royal. Whoop whoop. Let's get to that. The rundown. So I've got. I think I've got every elimination. I think I've got it. I've got. I want to say that I've maybe missed a few because there was one point that I checked out and I missed a couple. So hopefully. But this was so much better than the last Casino Battle Royal. Like easily the best iteration of the match so far. I really enjoyed the flow of it. It was. It got a bit messy with some of the action, but the actual flow of the match I genuinely really enjoyed. Uh, so first group of folks. They were, so, so again, the rules, if you don't know the Casino Battle Royal, you get four groups of five people and they each come down. Uh, they, so you get group one, they'll wrestle for like two and a half minutes. Then group the next group of five will come and two and a half minutes. Then the next group, then the next group. And then there's one person who comes out at the end and they're like the wild card. They're the joker because uh, it's about a deck of cards and each group gets assigned a card like the diamonds or the hearts. And all the spades, or the other one, clubs. <laughs> Didn't need to name them all. <laughs> that was unnecessary. <laughs> but uh, and that's the format of it. And I felt like it's been a little bit clunky in like the sub like the presentation of it. I thought it's been a bit off with the two they've done so far. I thought they got it here. I thought this was the way to do it. Uh, when your five people are coming out, you play their themes one after the other in quite this nice flowing way, and then they come out, and it feels like they did a really, does a really good job of building of them. There's this guy, this guy. This guy, it's like it's, it does feel like an influx of people suddenly are coming down, and it works far more effectively than one song and people run out, or no song and they walk down. Uh, I thought this was by far the best production of it all. So, first group of folks Trent, Christopher Daniels, Jake Hager, The Blade, and Ray Phoenix. They brawl a lot, no one gets eliminated. Ray Phoenix does some awesome bouncy stuff. Uh, second group of lads, Kazarian. Big Will Hobbs, Chuck Taylor, Santana and Ortiz, and on commentary like, oh, together, uh-oh. And they immediately bring out the bat and start whipping folk. Uh, the Blade is eliminated by Big Will Hobbs. They get him over. This is like, let's just give him a big, um, massive elimination. Not massive elimination, but, you know, unknown guy comes out and eliminates the Blade. Uh, Daniels gets eliminated by Hager. It's like, oh, uh, big, strong Hager, is he going to... Yeah, so in the first group, so that makes it a little bit iffy. Uh, third group of wrestlers, Billy Gunn, Penta L0M, Ricky Starks, Brian Cage, and Darby Allin. So you got three guys kind of all connected there. Uh, Cage immediately eliminates Billy Gunn, like before Darby Allin's even come down. Before his music even plays, <laughs> he gets in and eliminates Billy Gunn. I thought, fantastic use of Billy Gunn. <laughs> really well done. Makes uh, Cage seem like a beast and me, like, out the bat. Uh, Darby eliminates Ray Phoenix after, I think Darby's going after Cage and Starks. Then Phoenix kind of made a bit of a save and or tried to capitalise on Darby being distracted by them and ended up paying the price himself. Ah, damn it, Phoenix. Uh, best friends hug and get jumped. Chucky T eliminated by Santana and Ortiz. Poor guys. Poor guys. And he cut a promo about how he's definitely going to win. <laughs> uh, fourth group of folk. Uh, Sean Spears, who goes to commentary and chats a lot. Eddie Kingston, huge cheer for Eddie Kingston. Like, he's become so over in such a short amount of time. Uh, the Butcher, and who comes out with Eddie Kingston. Uh, then Sonny Kiss, who's then followed by Lance Archer, 
who I think he catapulted himself in. <laughs> he, incredibly athletic, that big guy. Sonny Kiss, to the surprise of everybody, eliminates Jake Hager. And uh, Brian Cage then eliminates Sonny Kiss. Uh, Sonny Kiss herself, himself also got a really strong ovation. And he could sense in the crowd when he got eliminated, just like, oh... Oh, that sucks. Because <laughs> uh, like, they were seemingly very strongly behind Sunny Kiss. Uh, but anyway, Ryan Cage is a heel. He got the heat for doing it, so I'll take that. Uh, Trent pulls down the rope for Santano flies over. Uh, Lance Archer powers out Trent and then clobbers out Ortiz. Lance Archer being put over strong as well. Then we get to our final geezer. And it's Matt Seidel. Matt Seidel coming down. And I was just picturing in my head... Uh, like Jeremy Donovan and Rich Latter from Social Suplex and Jeremy Donovan who has had Matt Seidel on his show was like oh it's Matt Seidel and then he runs in and then he immediately slips and nearly necks himself <laughs> it was like oh it's Matt Seidel oh no <laughs> it was within a just within a the amount of reactions just to have felt within that 30 second window but he immediately slipped on the top rope and like, I'm glad he's safe. Like his right foot seemingly slipped on, maybe it was the humidity or something. I'll give him benefit there. But his right foot slipped and that could have ended badly, but it didn't. So are we allowed to laugh at the funny botch? <laughs> My immediate reaction, because it, because it looks like a bit of a slip. So he does fly and kind of go flip there. <laughs> so it, it does look funny. And knowing he's, well, I guess if he is safe, then I feel like something, because again, he, he can he, he can properly hurt himself <laughs> falling like that, uh, but yeah, this yeah this was uh, this before then the Matt Hardy thing and then it's like like the show was cursed became a bit of a feeling uh, we're online. Uh, Pentagon gets eliminated. Kazarian gets eliminated. This is the bit I missed, so I don't know if I've missed out any guys, but they got eliminated by somebody. <laughs> I don't know who. Uh, Cage. Rock Starks by accident. They're on the same team. Uh, Darby eliminates the Rocked Man. Starks then drags Darby out. But he's been eliminated. The rules. Uh, the two put him in a body bag. And Cage launches Darby over the top rope onto the ramp as he's in the bag. And it's, oof. Darby, you crazy person. And again, puts Brian Cage over as a beast. So, success there. Seidel, a double stomp to the ring apron, draped Sean Spears, so he gets a awesome elimination there. Uh, Big Will Hobbs meets an even bigger Lance Archer to then move on to the just as huge Brian Cage. Uh, Archer drop kicks a brawling Hobbs and Cage off the apron. Well, guys, and then we get down to our final four. Archer, Seidel, Butcher and Kingston. Uh, Seidel eliminates Butcher. Uh, Blackout from Archer to Seidel. Uh, Kingston capitalises and eliminates the smaller guy. And we're down to Archer and Kingston who fight on the apron. Uh, Butcher and the Blade run interference. It's like, oh, is Eddie Kingston actually going to win this? And Arcs, Archer eventually chokeslams Kingston off Brett's rope down to Butcher and the Blade. Lance Archer wins. And looking at the folk in this match, I guess the final two it came down to were the two... They did a really good job of sensing the room and who are the two people where the crowd might feel like they're the two who need this win, like kind of the most going kind to of launch into a good next level. Uh, who feels like, again, where this win would be like the next step rather than a massive catapult. And yeah, Lance Archer makes a lot of sense. Like both these guys are, I guess, around TNT level, TNT title level are now 
Uh, yeah, they could have won, and this could have elevated them to the top, and that's what again losses have consequences because now Eddie Kingston doesn't get elevated. So yeah, I need to drink one more as so I punch my glass. Mm. Six a.m. I opened my window in hope that maybe some sunlight would come through, but it's September, and thanks to lockdown, doesn't really feel like I've had a summer, so I'm not ready for the light to not be out yet. <laughs> it's strange, uh, but. The penultimate match for me to talk about, the second match on the show, Young Bucks versus Jurassic Express. For me, this felt like your hot, fast-paced tag opener for the show. Like, this would originally be the opening match before Britt Baker and Big Swole got their match moved onto the main show. Uh, Jungle Boy impressing as always. I swear he gets better every time I see him. Uh, in this match, sparking into action as he's worn down by the Bucks, the brothers doing everything to stop that tag. Poor lad took some nasty looking lumps tonight. A suplexed over the barricade onto the hard concrete. That was after they mucked up the suplexing over the ropes, which looked probably more painful for Matt Jackson, but... Yep, Jack was soon in pain. And a Varno attempt caught, and then he gets powerbombed onto the apron. Uh, all building to the books becoming overly confident. And I like this little swing. Like eventually, when Luchasaur was reigned, an awesome choke slam launching Nick Jackson down from the top rope. It just, it just turned him inside out, it was fantastic. Uh, leading to an awesome string of offence for Jurassic Express. Uh, such a fun ending sequence too. Jungle Boy like, slides to the outside, pulls the barricade in, and you know, somebody's doing a dive. And Luchasaurus springs board, springs boards? <laughs> springboards off the top rope, cross-bodying to the crowd of folk in the waiting. Um, that took him out though. Jungle Boy... On the end of a like double kick after double kick, uh, kicking out again and again as the books became increasingly frustrated, uh, building to eventually just ending things with the BTE trigger. And that was part of the confidence. It was like, we don't need to hit this. And to get frustrated, it was like, why can't we keep him down? Let's just hit the BTE trigger. And then they hit that and win. Was, yeah, this was a really a fantastic in-ring opener. Because uh, I'm not sure if Rick Baker swole should have opened the show but I guess for the, the the Young Bucks brought you back in so I don't know if it's better to start with something different then immediately bring you back in or to have a hot a hot opener before taking you to somewhere else uh, yeah especially you've got, you've got the Casino Battle Royal to come as well so uh, it makes it these three matches maybe they could have been interchanged but I'm not entirely sure that would have been for the better uh, yeah I mean I in my head I had Young Bucks versus Jurassic Express or Matt Hardy versus Sammy Guevara as the opener. They were the two I was in my head going, which one will they do? So it's generally not surprised to see Bit Baker Swole open. But Books Jurassic Express, this felt like again, this felt like your traditional big fast paced show opener. So good stuff there. The again, again and uh, Jungle Boy. Impressive as always. This every single time looks better and better. Like he's he's gonna he's just gonna be a star one day. And our opening match, the final thing for me to talk about where I can finally go to bed is the tooth and nail match, Dr. Britt Baker versus Big Swole, kicking off the show with a recorded match. Oh, see, they can do it. <laughs> Does it help because with me? A Big Swole turning up at Baker's dentistry for a fight, just as promised, and this was certainly a unique way to kick off the show. A contest scheduled for one fall and all, just as a brawl inside a dentistry. <laughs> uh, the referee's there too, to make it a proper official thing. Uh, Brit playing the mind games, uh, with the place all decked up, ready to mess with Swole. 
uh, blood all over the floor of the first room, uh, chattering teeth hidden in another, uh, chairs ready to drill into her prey. Uh, this was certainly a unique opening. Uh, Baker's tricks accidentally backfiring in the end in her drilling attempts, <laughs> calling Reba for like, get the Novocaine, uh, ending up injecting herself. Uh, Swole then hits Dirty Dancing through a diploma into Reba's face, a nice little detail, uh, followed by one to the dock herself. Onto the chair she falls, and uh, Big Swole puts a mask on her and sends her to sleep. And she's out. So Big Swall wins via knockout. <laughs> like, oh, that's quite a unique thing. So, yeah. It's incredible where they'll do some of this kind of out there stuff, but Big Swall to me still comes out as a, a kind of badass feeling character. Uh, they're doing really... Like, I feel like with these two, they've got something. Uh, my only question was, do you open the show with this? Because I don't think I've ever seen a, one of these shows open with like a cinematic match type of thing. Uh, but no, because it was quite brawly, and it didn't outstay its welcome. It wasn't that long either. So then you're, what, ten minutes? Uh, if that, and then you're back in, uh, like, straight away. So yeah, like, it was fun, no harm, a bit, yeah, you call it a bit silly. But it, but it didn't really try to be anything more than a brawl, and something happened. Uh, I was a bit worried, like, you're not going to try and do a thing, are you? Because you got all the, you got the density drills, you could try and do something. Uh... Uh, but I'm happy they didn't. <laughs> I'm happy there was no actual blood. <laughs> this was not the match for it. Uh, we got, but I've got MJF bled enough for everybody. It's fine. This was a fun match. Generally, uh, it was a fun opener. But then you got your in-ring match to kind of bring you back in. If, if it wasn't your cup of tea, you had Young Bucks immediately afterwards. So you're back in. Even uh, if it was your cup of tea, then you're all set for the Young Bucks afterwards. <laughs> so, yeah. Good stuff. But the show overall... As this then brings me to the end of it all, and I can finally, again, go to bed. The overall feeling is of a show that it's the first AEW pay-per-view where I felt tied by the end. Where I was just ready, I was just waiting for the show to come to a finish, to come to a close. And we had still big matches to come. Uh, the biggest feeling of that was the uh, was Jericho and Cassidy were making their way down, because I was just ready for bed, and to think, oh, I've got this match, then the main event. I was thinking if it was the main event, I could, yeah, I could maybe be fine with it. But the fact we had like a full hour to go, uh, don't really feel like it had to be four hours. I think that's the main takeaway. This card didn't really warrant a show that length. Uh, but then you look at each one, like the only way to really reduce time, I wouldn't reduce time from said matches individually. I think I'd just maybe, it, I would cut uh, the Dark Order match, put that on television. It will work just as well. Uh, you don't need. I guess the other thing is you are featuring Brody Lee on pay per view, and that makes him feel like a bigger deal. Uh, and his outburst of anger is uh, great and awesome. And it's the story of uh, Cabana and Brody Lee. Like that's going to go somewhere. Assumably, a discus lariat <laughs> to poor uh, Colt Cabana. Uh, anyway, that brings me to the end of the show. Uh, thank you for listening. Thank you for watching. What do you think of AEW All Out? Did you enjoy it a little bit more than I did, or whatever? Uh, I'll be back on Tuesday for the uh, LP Radio Raw review. Do I need to change some like wrestling headlines for Raw review? Uh, I'll be back on Tuesday, then again on Wednesday for NXT. Because don't forget, NXT is on Tuesday nights properly. So I'll be back again then. Uh, but yeah, what did you think of AW All Out? Uh, are you like me, where they are? This is the AW Preview you're the most negative on. But again, not forgetting it's a high bar they're up against. So the saying this is the worst one isn't you know <laughs> it's not in the, the world. 
Also, if you're able to put up with my light, apologies again. It's it's literally be- drill behind a drill closed door, which I can't open in the middle of the night to get it. Uh, so, uh, anyway, thank you for listening. Thank you for watching. Uh, if anything that helps with, with with us, it's just pure engagement. Be it liking, subscribing. Uh, clicking the bell to know when we're live so it, you get my Photoshop, lovely photoshopped images up on. I put way too much effort <laughs> into the Photoshop image. Also realising, didn't change the image for any of the matches after the Casino Battle Royal, just proof that I had them. Cool, I got tired again, I forgot. <laughs> anyway, I'll be back on Tuesday. So with that, I say thank you for listening. Uh, please do check out all the other shows here on LP Radio, here on Wrestling Headlines YouTube, and all the columns and news that is out on WrestlingHeadlines.net. And with that, I say, bid you adieu, and ah, and I'm out. I shouldn't have done that. <laughs> that was bad. All right, adios.